0: It's time for the VolQuest Podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good
1: Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics with Rob Lewis and Austin Price and Brent Hubs. Don't forget about Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments. And if you go into one of their four locations and mention BallQuest, you'll get 15% off of your total purchase. Those four locations are in Knoxville, right across from Trader Joe's. There's one in Sevierville, Pigeon Forge, and Gatlinburg. And you can visit them online at smokymountainorganics.com. A lot to get to in this edition of the podcast. What a wild week in college football, wild weekend in college football it was. Setting up for a huge opportunity for Tennessee on Saturday night when Ole Miss comes to town uh, with their high-powered offense, you guys. Feels like points would be a plenty Saturday night when these two teams get together. Be, would be surprised if it's anything else. Otherwise, right, Rob?
2: I mean, Rob, I'm, I've I'm, I'm made this comment on John and Jimmy's show. I mean, I'm legit. Think for the first time that we've been doing this together on 20 years that I can say with a straight face that. I mean, you, you're going to need 50 points to win this one, and that's—I mean—that's not even anywhere close to going out on a limb because three, three days ago, Ole Miss just played a game exactly like that where you needed 50 points to win.
1: Yeah, this is—you um, know—Ole uh, Miss can get everybody open. It seems
0: like, but they can't stop anybody. Austin Price. No, they can't, and and they're really hampered up front. They—they're the front, you know, front five is what you call them, not front seven because they run a three-two-six. Um, you know, maybe we'll see a variation of that this week. Maybe they put more in the box. Um, just seeing how Tennessee gashed Missouri. Um, yeah, they're just not very good, though. I mean, like defensively, they struggle. There seems to be a rift there between DJ Durkin and 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 Lane Kiffin. And if Tennessee gets out to a quick start in this one, you know, that thing could deteriorate even more, like on headsets and stuff. And all of a sudden, then it really becomes a thing here's the thing and you know about this game that really to me can be the one that kind of topples everything over in Tennessee's favors the crowd you know I this thing's gonna is a sellout you know I I expect it to be loud at Neyland on Saturday night and uh, after everybody's tailgated all day I just think this crowd could have a huge say in this football game Uh, Ole Miss going last year to Kentucky and winning on the road okay but that's you know that's that's Kentucky you know, Ole Miss, you know, beating Arkansas at home, you're at home. This is more of a hostile environment for, uh, for, you know, Matt Corral and that, and that Ole Miss offense.
1: Strange to say, Rob Lewis, potential sellout crowd for Tennessee on Saturday night um, for, for the Vols and, and kind of how everybody's gravitating to this team. Now, look, they beat a bad Missouri team. They beat a South Carolina team. that's not going to finish the year with a winning record either, but, People seem to be captivated, I guess, by the offense more than anything else. But fans seem to be kind of, I don't want to say falling in love, but a little bit of falling in love with this team. Why is that?
2: I mean, I think they've not had a football team that's fun to watch since Josh Dobbs left them. I mean, think about that. I mean, they've had, you know, Jeremy Pritt had the one year where they strung together a winning streak. And, you know, that was a nice story to win a bowl game. But it's, it's not been fun to watch since number 11, you know, walked up walked out off the stage. And this is fun to watch. I mean, it's just – they're easy to yeah. root, root for. Hypel's, you know, Hypel's not, you know, a, a prickly personality. You know, it's 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 not hard for fans to get behind him. I just – I mean, I, and, and I think we can all agree this fan base has been absolutely starved for something to cheer about.
0: I agree. I mean, even that year that they strung those wins together, Rob, I mean, you know, what J.G. threw for 400 yards, had three 100-yard receivers, and what they were 24 points? I mean, like, I mean, like, offensively this place has been the barren desert or the bermuda triangle for the uh, for the last five years since josh dobbs left so all of a sudden kids kids are getting open and you go back to those first couple of games uh, against bowling green and Pitt. And Pitt game they lost i mean they had people running wide open and which you know of course pulls back the you know band-aid and scab of starting joe milton but you know it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, they are fun to watch, you know, and, and and to run the ball and the kids just seem like they're having a good time. You know, I've talked to a couple of them this week and, you know, I said, you guys just look like y'all are having fun. And they're like, we are having fun. You know, I mean, like it's more about, it's not just about wins and losses. Like we're just having a good time together. There does seem to be a, a pretty good chemistry with, with this group of guys
1: that, that Rob doesn't seem to be stemming from wins. I mean, is that, is that just, the right chemistry hitting is that Josh Dobbs forcing chemistry. Do we have any idea why this team? Because I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Javante Payton wasn't here. Okay, he's you know he catches his one pass for a touchdown every week. Um, it, you know Hendon Hooker wasn't here a year ago. Um, there's a lot of mixed pieces that are involved now that that weren't involved, um, but yet they seem to kind of harmonize themselves pretty well.
2: But I think I think Coach Heupel prioritized that when he got here. I mean, I think he recognized that he had inherited a fractured football team that, you know, wasn't – they weren't excited about coming into that building and putting in work. And I'm not you know, saying that's all Jeremy's fault at all, but, you know, Heupel's just got a different kind of personality. I mean, I think he – th- I think he, you know, treats people in a way that this that wasn't part of Jeremy's makeup. And I'm not just talking about the football team. I'm talking about people that, you know, support staff – people in academics. I mean, I just, I just, and I, I think he recognized that there needed to be a culture change. And you're talking about the kids. I don't, I mean, we don't, we don't know those kids, you know, like, like their friends, but I don't think he brought in any problems. You know, I think he was cognizant of, yeah, we need to upgrade the roster, but I'm not going to bring any, bring in any problems. Cause I think one of the great quotes, I guess, who was, it? was it Greg Atkins over who said, you recruit your own problems. Like you know, coaches start, you know, bitching and moaning about their, their team, the roster and, he said, you got to keep in mind you've recruited all your own problems.
1: Yep, that's right. And um, this team seems to get along um, well, and, um, you know, that's part of the fun, I think, scoring points, offense sells tickets. That's part of the fun. Um, there's a lot of positive vibes going on uh, for Tennessee. Josh Hypel saying, Austin, on Monday that he thinks he's going to have the bulk of everybody back this week from injury, which, aside from selling t- – I mean, take all the ticket sales and – checker Nealon and all those things away the biggest story from monday is the fact that this may be a much healthier football team this week than they were this past week
0: yeah and and again i think that you know i said this sunday night on on the locker room you know uh, to me the biggest thing and i think i've said in the podcast after the game the biggest thing to me the biggest takeaway from last week was not the win and how you won it's the fact that you played an, an entire game you didn't have to use theo jackson when he could have been able to play you know, but you know, you didn't have to. Brandon turned bald. You didn't use. You didn't have to use Jabari Small at all, which means you gave him a whole week off on that that shoulder, which is which is big because I mean, again, he he needed the rest. Um, you know, Cooper May's dressed out, which was to me shocking, and uh, and and so the fact is, you know, he he's closer to being ready to go and and should be good to go this week as long as he doesn't have any setbacks. You know, not having to play certain kids last week. And been able to get some of those younger kids some run. To me, that was a big deal, especially in an SEC game, because normally you wouldn't you wouldn't think that would be the case. But uh, this is a team that is healthier right now than they were a week ago at this time. And uh, you know, you give them you know a few more days in rehab, and you know, continue to work with the the training staff, and you know, they should be good by Saturday. Rob Lewis, I'm gonna I'm gonna change change it to this
1: way. Sort of related to injury, but not really. But because of injuries, more playing time has been there. Bigger surprise to you from a production standpoint: Brandon Turnage, Aaron Beasley, Jaquan Blakely. Beasley,
2: I mean, you know, Blakely had played. He at least had played. I mean, he was probably has been part of the rotation for his third year. Man, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he leads the defensive linemen and tackles. But I mean, Brandon Turnage was recruited and signed by Alabama. You had to think that there was some talent there I had completely written Aaron Beasley off as a guy who would ever contributed here and for him to be starting at linebacker to be what was he fourth on the team in tackles with, with 31 had you know, coming off a game where he was the leading tackler um, that to me is, is by far the biggest surprise at
0: Tennessee's linebackers right now hoax so on page everybody had written him off as ever playing anything here ever Aaron Beasley was left you know, out in the cold after the cat incident. Well, and he played and, four and, and positions and nice prior to this, that,
1: huh? He, he played four positions prior to ever getting in trouble. I mean, he the guy was. I mean, he was hey, he, a he running back. You know, I mean, he was. Yeah, he was all
0: they over. You were a Princeton team. fan. Yeah, you know, agreed. And and, and so you know, but good, kudos to this staff for not for not writing the kid off. Listening to what happened, all that stuff started to go away. Started to recant stories and all that stuff. And he was back. And then your other linebacker is one that Jeremy Pruitt saved from extinction and Jeremy Banks. So you look at all the linebackers and you're like, who would have ever picked this trio to be playing football at Tennessee, all in meaningful snaps, all on what has turned out to be a a solid little defense, a scrappy little defense.
1: Well, and, I mean, if you would have said that Tennessee was going to get virtually little to no production out of Jawan Mitchell, and then they were going to lose him for the rest of the year. If somebody would have said that, Rob, at the end of spring or early in the summer, the whole thought would have been, Tennessee's going to be a disaster on defense because they're so bad in the middle, in the middle part of that defense.
2: Uh, no question. I mean, I I, mean, I think I even wrote that in the three two one. 2 You know, I think just about everybody who looked at the linebacking unit in the preseason, like, man, Jawan Mitchell, he'd better – he had better be the real thing, or, or they've got problems. And, and like AP said, I mean, they got you know three guys that nobody thought much of. I mean, I don't, I don't think people had written Jeremy Banks off, but he he was not very good last year. Certainly inconsistent. And I mean, they're a solid part of what, like AP said, is a decent. I mean, I think at least middle of the road SEC defense. which now, I did not think they could be.
0: My point is, people had written him off when he had to sit out the year and oh, then sure. Jeremy and them brought him back and, and kind of the reclamation project of Jeremy Pruitt, then people wrote off Beasley. I mean, like just all their stories collectively to me is fascinating. Well, I mean, look,
1: people didn't question whether Jeremy Banks was, was athletic or talented enough to play. It was a question was, could he keep himself, you know, get him, get another opportunity and keep himself right, which obviously he's done. The other two, nobody thought was good enough to play in this league. A lot of people, you know, didn't think they were going to, Talented enough to play in this league, and that's your three-man rotation at linebacker. Now, scrappy little defense, middle-of-the-road defense, going to face a heck of a challenge this week. uh, When you talk about Ole Miss's offense and what they do, what worry, Rob? What worries you the most about Tennessee defensively trying to defend the Ole Miss offense?
2: I think probably just Matt Corral. I mean, I think I mean Pitt's quarterback was was you know pretty good, pretty mobile. Corral is like on a whole other level, and Tennessee really struggled with, in, in that game, in, in the second game of the year. Now, is, is the defense probably better, more cohesive since then? I would say so, but I do, I think just dealing with that level of a quarterback. I mean, Emory Jones gave him tons of problems, and he did not present the passing threat that Corral does at all. I mean, this is a true, true dual threat guy. That I think he's going to put a lot of stress – on on the defense yeah
1: he can he can flat throw the ball and he can run I mean you know extend extend plays runs much better than than Pickett does uh throws it much better than Emory Jones by far the most talented college quarterback now upside down the road you can talk about all that later but in terms of effective quarterback play by far the best Tennessee has has, will have played to, to this point in the season what's amazing to me Austin when I look at Ole Miss is just it it, it reminds me of Tennessee. I mean, there's all, seems like there's always a guy open. You you know what I mean? There's just always some guy open. You go back and look at that thing in the fourth quarter Saturday. I mean, that last touchdown, I mean, he was, I mean, that receiver was five yards behind the the Arkansas DB and and Arkansas is trying to protect a lead in the last two and a half minutes of the game. And they let a guy get five yards behind him. It seems like that happens a, a lot. Tennessee's not busted a lot this year.
0: But their secondary is not going to be stressed the way they've been stressed to this point, right? Correct. I mean, they're going to have a lot thrown at them. Um, so, you know, how, how well do they, you know, handle things in the back end? And as Rob said, I mean, when you do get, you know, old Miss and third and longish type situations, you know, not allowing, you know, Matt Corral to break out and break contain and pick up a first down with his legs. To me, it will go a long way. Just the ability to get off the field on third down, you know, which, which goes back to playing good defense in the back end, which goes back to, you know, just playing good sound defense overall. To me, that's the key defensively for Tennessee is you're, you're, they're going to score points. They're going to move the ball on you. But when you get them in third and long, you can't let them out of jail. You've got to be able to get off the field. Well, you got to keep him You got to make third and long, fourth and long, right, Rob?
1: Because if you look at Ole Miss's numbers. I mean, he gonna go oh. for it on fourth down. I mean, he if any anyway. if it's fourth and five, fourth and six, I, I think he has so little. I think Lane Kiffin has so little confidence in his defense getting a stop that he feels like fourth and six, let's roll the dice. Fourth and eight, even let's roll the dice. I'll give him the ball at midfield because why not? I mean, it's, it's like a. It's like a team kicking an onside kick because they don't think they can defend the guy returning kicks, right? So just like let's just we'll give him the ball at midfield. That's kind of the way Lane Kiffin views totally defense at this point. Like give I mean, me the, I, I, give I, me the I, ball I think, back, right?
2: I think it's confidence in his offense being able to pick up six or seven yards and, and just what you said. Just you know, why do I even want to put myself through that? <laughs> you know, throw the defense out there and have him go eighty yards instead of, you know, fifty five. What what what's the difference? How good is this crowd going to be?
1: How rowdy is this, how, how rowdy is this crowd? Because here's my thing, and, and I say this: with, I, I know some people are going to try to talk about it. I don't think this Saturday night is anything about Lane Kiffin. I mean, probably for some it will be, but this is not Lane Kiffin versus the Vols. Like when he rolled back in here with his, you know, his his earbuds and his you know designer shades when he was calling plays for Alabama. To me, this is about Tennessee and Ole Miss, not about. Lane Kiffin in Tennessee. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe fans see it a total different way.
0: I just don't feel like this is about Lane Austin. I don't think so either. Now, I mean, I, again, I think that's a subject that people have brought up because he's the head coach. But as he pointed out in his press conference on Monday, we, we went we went back to USC. We you know we as a part of Alabama and played them in a neutral site game. We went back to Knoxville, you know, and played Tennessee as the offense coordinator at Alabama. Like you know that stuff's a long time ago. I mean, you know, it's, you know, that was about the same time John Gruden was sending these emails. Um, You know, so, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where I I agree with you. I think that the media is trying to make this into a storyline. I mean, you've seen all over, you know, uh, TV and everything all week, you know, replaying like the stuff from what happened. I mean, that's great. You know, we can get, you know, um, Packer, some more love, you know, calling, you know Kevin Snake or Bill Shorey you know standing his ground and Heather Harrington yelling at people at, you know all those great sound bites from that infamous video and of course Bud Ford you know banging his his wadded up paper and you know cut your nose off to spot your face TV you know all that good stuff but like at the end of the day like I don't think most fans really care most fans are like into this team more so than they are about hating Lane Kiffin. Like, I think they've they've really gotten gravitated towards these kids because of the fight they've shown. And as Rob pointed out, Tennessee fans are just hungry, man. You know, they're hungry for a winter. You saw how they gravitate towards baseball, going out there and sitting in the street and watching it on a screen when you could watch it at home and air conditioning you
2: know last spring. So I mean going yeah, I I, to be there. I couldn't agree more. I mean it might add a little spice to it, but it's not it is not the main attraction. It's about the opportunity to to be the ranked team at home. And, and, and during a nighttime kickoff, no less, which I think fans are—that's been a, that's been a source of for uh, somebody who has a college sophomore at UT and a wife who is a professional tailgater. No, and there are star- a lot of there are noon, a lot of those people out there.
1: Noon starts the people were over the noon starts. Yeah, you know, here's the, I mean, Alante Taylor was asking about Kiffin on Monday, and I started doing the math. I mean, Alante was probably ten years old, nine years old when Lane left. I mean, he doesn't remember any of that. No, I mean, nor should he. No, nobody on this team r- remembers any of that. And none of the people that were here during that time are still here.
2: <laughs> you know, well, I mean, if you think about not it. It's like the athletic director who hired him is here. No, like, I mean, no. the president's
1: not here. The chancellor's not here. The head of the board of trustees is not here. <laughs> the basketball coach isn't here. You know, I mean, and on and on and on. I mean, there's just nobody, that, nobody that's here. I mean, this is uh, obviously uh, about Tennessee. And I think what's, uh, it's just, just un-
2: Frasian Max. That's yeah, it. just Frasian
0: Max. And Hawk. you and know, um,
2: to disrespect the <laughs> Hulk.
0: How, 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 how ironic is it that, you know, what's getting more played this week? Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin in the 2009 debacle or the 2017 coaching debacle? Yeah,
1: that, oh. that, that yeah, that that story, that story the timing of that one was certainly interesting. everybody can write whatever they want to wrote, but I just there was not anything new in that story that that those guys that that they produced, but you know whatever the case may be, um, with, with that story in the athletic. Um, back back to this back to this game. How big of a spe- is is how big of a concern is special teams for you, Rob? After the last couple of weeks,
2: well, I wouldn't have said it they were any kind of concern at all. You know, two weeks ago, but now you have to wonder. And I thought, and you made a good point um, in your piece on Sunday that. You know, that late in the game there were some backups in on on the punt punt return team but still i mean that's such an obvious situation i mean south carolina is down big they are what was like the 44 45 yard line and tennessee was in punt safe you know to to top it all off so i mean i, I think obviously the coaches had had sent the kids i, I don't put that one on coach eckler because i mean being in the, in the formation you lined up in you, you pretty clearly were thought that a fake punt was on the table your guys yeah. just didn't He's not supposed to turn the
1: gunner loose. (laughs) I mean, at no point schematically, you know, was that supposed to happen. I think special teams are going to be – could play an interest. could play a key role in this game. I think the other thing, too, is the turnovers. Austin, we talked about this in the two-minute drill. I mean, Arkansas lost the game Saturday because it turned it over twice.
0: Correct. I mean, again – That's the
1: difference in the game.
0: Yeah. I mean, Tennessee can, you know, continue to do what they've done the last few – weeks which is you know be turnover free you know um or at least limit them I mean like you just can't have those debilitating turnovers now what's more debilitating driving the length of the field and throwing a pick in the end zone or giving Ole Miss a short field you tell me because I mean I you could argue either one I mean I, I guess you know both pick your poison right don't turn the ball over in the red zone while you're going in
1: That's South Carolina
2: yeah. don't don't, don't and, let
1: your defensive end throw a half-back pass
2: and. <laughs> and they just, I mean, it's inside been inside
1: the five yard line. I mean, I mean, It's been it, weird it, to
2: watch. I mean, we're halfway through the year and there hasn't been, you know, just one of those back breaking turnovers. I mean, you can point to Hooker's interception against Pitt, but I mean, if you told Jared Gar- Garantano that was the bad play, to Hold my beer. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's not been one of those where just absolutely destroyed, you know, blew the game plan up like we've seen, you know, multiple times in, in the last two years.
1: Yes, there's not there's not been a damn it interception at the five yard line going into the swamp like like we saw a few years ago. Um for sure there's there's not been one of those. All right, before we get to recruiting We do, we do apologize for Hub's use of profane I apologize for that. It was a quote, it's not it wasn't my word. I was just recounting the word of Tim Priest. Um I'll throw Tim right under the bus. <laughs> back back over. He about knocked me out that day when he threw the headsets as he said it. But
0: um You can close your mouth now, Brent. <laughs>
1: different game that was a positive. i know but still anyway,
0: all right let's keep moving forward
1: here um how smart is danny white looking right now i mean here's here, look here's danny white he's brought out the ball letters okay There's, got the photo op going with them on game day he, he's out tweeting out he's, monday night about checkered needling he's not taking credit for checkered needling it's we heard you ball fans let's do this you guys want to do
0: it we're all in to do it i mean well, it certainly sounded like when he tweeted out the ball letter things that, hey, we'll bring these out. But I mean, you know, sounds like people would like those back onto the stadium. So how do they incorporate that, you know, with, you know, the new area they're going to
2: build? Hubbard, where did those, where did those, letters, those weren't the vault, those weren't the letters. Those were, the- no, no, no.
0: Those
1: were the letters that were on top of the Jumbotron, the first, first rendition oh. of the Jumbotron. So mm-hmm. it's where they, it's where those letters he had out at gate 21. Where the did, original does- letters. The original letters are, are not in existence right now. They would have to get remade. The are you sure
2: ones, Max, Max doesn't you know, have them in, in, no, the, in the cage?
1: I'm told, I'm told that those are going those, those letters that Danny pulled out were in storage. Kevin Zerker had them somewhere in storage. You know, it's like it's like the scene from Under Siege, you know, when they're going to shoot the, the old battlegrounds. You, know, you know, we still got those. You know, that's, I mean, Danny White says, does anything know about the letters? And Kevin Zerker's like, you know, yeah, we still got those. They're, they're, they're in a closet somewhere. So they rolled yeah. those out. But they're not the original that you and yeah. I and Austin and all of us saw. That's when you knew you were in Knoxville is when you drove, by the, drove down by the river. You came across, you know, south Knoxville, and you saw the, the white letters with the orange background. And um, those, are the one, th- those are the ones that I remember. But, I mean, I mean, give, give Danny White some credit here. I mean, he's just, he's just riding the wave. He, he, he's like, I'm, I'm body surfing this thing, and I'm just going to ride it to some popularity right now.
2: Starting to see why, you know, he, he was viewed as being so savvy. I mean, I think strong move.
1: Yeah, pretty, pretty smart. We'll see what uh, they come up with. And, again, I give him, I give them credit over on campus. None of them are trying to take any kind of credit for the checkered kneeling deal or any of that because that is a fan-created deal, and the fans, you know, got it moving again this time, and so away we go with that. Well, it's we sh-
2: small, much smaller than that, but, I mean, you saw him come out on Twitter last week, you know, after the – The first game, first home game and, you know, hired more staff to, you know, opened up more, you know, beer concessions. And, you know, I've heard the lines are really bad and section blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're we're addressing it. That's a small thing, but, you know, a bunch of small things add up.
1: Less hot dog vendors, more beer salesmen. That's that's the bottom line for what Danny White's been trying to get done the last couple of weeks. With Checker Neyland, with a night game, with the energy that's around Austin, got a chance to be a solid recruiting weekend for Tennessee coming up. But this past weekend was a pretty good weekend. Give a, give an assessment uh, your biggest takeaways from this past weekend and maybe a little bit of foreshadowing
0: to this weekend. Well, you know, I thought they did a good job with Davis-Igbison. Um you know, he's, you know, a bigger kid, a bigger corner. Um, I think Tennessee really likes that. Um, you know, it, he kept referencing when we interviewed him at the airport today. You know, just, you know, it's just different, man. I'm from, he goes, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> he just gets that from New Jersey. Like, they don't, they don't like that up there. Um, and so he's going to go to Oxford in the month of November, Um Oxford's not Nealand. Now, granted, he didn't see Neeland, you know, at night and at what, what, what and this all week's going to be, right? But uh, you know, I think it left a big impression on him. I know it left a big impression on his parents. Now, again, long way to go till December, but uh, I think Tennessee's in a good spot as of now. But again, long way to go until December. Um, Joshua Josephs, to me, that's kind of a coin flip. Tennessee, Michigan, you know, he's going to do something in the month of November. If I was leaning, I'd still probably take Michigan at this point. Now, I could be wrong. This is the gut feeling having talked to the kid um, on Sunday when he left. I just didn't, I mean, again, though, I'm trying to read the kid's poker face. He could, you know, they definitely did themselves some favors because I think, you know, Michigan's kind of been laying on him pretty hard. Um, so Tennessee to me moved there in the right direction. Did they do enough to catch him? I don't know. It was just hard. He, he was hard to read really really hard to read, um, which is why you know continue just to slightly lean Michigan but you know again that was you know just a total gut just trying to you know, get a feel for him talking. Um, you know getting you know Jacob page a 23 in here uh, unofficially was big getting in a guy like Jordan Thomas a guy Tennessee really likes in here really big I think Tennessee's totally trending in the right direction with him. Um, you, know, you know this weekend potentially could be huge with some in-state guys coming into town. And so, uh, you know, Walter Nolan will be over on campus or should be over on campus um, Saturday night for that game after being at uh, after being at Texas A&M Alabama this past weekend. Um, wouldn't surprise me if Cody Jones made it in. Um, it, we'll see. There's um, potential, and uh, you know who, who knows who else out of Memphis can make make it in between now and Saturday. Yeah, and I think a good number of the Tennessee commits are going to begin. Is, yeah, is David Jackson will be here.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean that, that that whole group will be in town. Yeah. So a lot of sales, people, a lot of sales going on there with Tennessee. Um, and, and again, a better atmosphere to sell. Although you know, Saturday with the black uniforms and everything else uh, resonated with some of those kids, um, you know, last weekend and nighttime atmosphere. Chance to get some guys in this weekend. Will, will be a positive for Tennessee as well on the recruiting front as they look for some momentum there. Rob on the hoops front. Um, continued fall camp or a continued preseason camp for them. Uh, Recruiting-wise, a little early in the week to see what's going to happen yet, or or is this going to be a weekend for them?
2: Not a big weekend, but Chandler Jackson, the guard that they just recently offered out of Memphis, will be here for his official visit. They put that together pretty quickly, and uh, B.J. Edwards will be making his official visit as well um, tomorrow, Wednesday, the 13th. Jet Howard is making his announcement. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there in case I get totally blindsided. I've me and everybody else that covers basketball recruiting have long thought he was just he was going to Michigan to play for his dad. I will still be surprised if that doesn't happen. But I've had too many people from the Tennessee side tell me that that he would that he loves Tennessee and would like to come to Tennessee to totally discount it. So I just want to throw it out there so Tennessee fans entertain it as a at least a slight possibility, but it's, it's, it's gotta be Michigan, right? I, I mean, I I think so Hubbard, but I know, I mean, he, he loves Rick Barnes. The mom loves Rick Barnes, but you know, people, you know, tell me the kid grew up in Florida, you know, he doesn't have any ties to Ann Arbor other than his dad's the coach. Doesn't really like it. does not really like the scene up there. But again, I would be stunned, but I just, I don't, I don't, I want to, I want to pass along what I'm hearing from the Tennessee side, that Tennessee is not – they don't think it's a layup for Michigan. And and another argument is that there's a good chance his dad won't be there. Howard's probably a a multi-year player. His dad's already gotten some feelers from the NBA. So, you know, uh, he was involved with the Clippers search last year and would probably, like any college coach, would probably take that opportunity if it pops up. So, you know, maybe the thought that his father wouldn't be there – you know, this whole time but you know my comeback is with you know with the the transfer rules now why did, why would that matter right I mean, if he leaves you leave but anyway Tennessee says that, I'm I'm hearing from the Tennessee side that it's a possibility. I will be I'm it's, it's like a Tennessee beating Florida situation for for me, however I'm gonna have to see it to believe it.
1: Well we'll see and what
2: I, happens I want to make sure to mention I mean I was I didn't even really try to follow up with the kid after his right. visit here. Yeah
1: it's definitely, kind I mean, of where I stood on yeah, it. Yeah, it has to be Michigan, right? I mean, that's just the assumption with everything. So we'll there. see. Got I've, to I've
2: rambled on too long about it, but I just want to pass along what I'm hearing from the Tennessee side.
1: All right, what about this current team? What's the vibe going out there? Just a lot I of competition?
2: Mean, a lot, I mean, I, I, I don't think the starters are locked in, but if they, if they started today, the I've it on pretty good authority. It would be Fulke, Chandler, Josiah, Olivier, and Viscovi. Viscovi is the one that kind of surprises me. I, um, I, I really thought Justin Powell would be a threat to come in and, and take his spot. And Justin Powell's going to play a lot, and he could even end up averaging more minutes. You know, we equal minutes, and I'm a um, little bit surprised that you know Huntley Hatfield is not over Olivier. But I also think that may just be a, we're rewarding the veteran and making the young guy earn his. Again, Hatfield's going to play a lot. Powell's going to play a lot, but. There's going to be some good players who – some talented players that don't get minutes.
1: Does, does, does Barnes – I mean, Barnes doesn't like a deep bench. He doesn't play. He, I yeah, mean, he trims what, that thing down, particularly in conference play. Is he going to have to forego that and kind of stretch that bench a I, little bit than he has in the past? I,
2: I don't think he will. I mean, I think – I mean, I. I, I mean, you've watched him as much as I have. I mean, he, going beyond eight without – you know, unless there's foul trouble involved is, is pretty rare. I mean, and even sometimes going much beyond seven, and as far as that eighth guy having a defined role and getting defined minutes every night is, is not always guaranteed. So I'll be really surprised if he's got more than eight guys that are regular rotation players. And, again, that's going to leave some dudes who are good players, you know, scratching and clawing for, for scraps.
1: And that's why Rick Barnes is smiling every day he goes to the practice floor because he's got he's got terrific competition and there's no better motivator than than playing time and competition for playing time. And he certainly has plenty of that as his team continues to move towards the start of, of the preseason schedule uh coming up in the month of November. All right, it's Tennessee and Ole Miss and a big one coming up on Saturday night. We're gonna cover it for you all week long. Of course we have the Bell Bike podcast coming up on Thursday. We'll they have the matchup piece later this week. We'll have our stock report. We'll have uh, tons of recruiting stuff out there from this past weekend, plus get you ready for this weekend. Lots of things going on throughout the week this week to get you ready for Tennessee and Old Miss. That's going to do it for this edition, the Tuesday edition of the Ballquest.com podcast presented by Smoky Mountain Organics. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. been listening to the Ball Quest podcast every week here on Ball Quest